Welcome to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. At Victory, we value love in action through growing, connecting, serving, and giving. We work to show God's love and share His truth as we love and serve the Lord Jesus Christ together. Here's this week's sermon by Pastor Terry Green. Well, I sure enjoy being here today than where we were last week. So, <laughs> Kathy and I were both out with COVID. We're both doing better. We're not up to speed yet, but we're no longer contagious, and we're very happy to be here. So, uh, well, that popped up too soon. That's okay. Have you ever been frustrated because God allowed you to go through very difficult and extremely painful circumstances? Yeah. Uh, wow, that just came on. Maybe I should start over. Do you sometimes feel that you can't trust God to do what's best because he lets you go through what feels worse? Well, God doesn't have to live up to your expectations. I know, that's disappointing, isn't it? God doesn't sit there thinking, oh man, I really hope Rick and Don are okay with this. God doesn't do that. He just lets Rick's back go to pieces, and praise the Lord, he's doing better and able to be here. But, but God is in charge. Now, maybe we should talk to the kids in children's church, because they think they're in charge. But God is in charge. God is the ruler. He is the sovereign over the entire universe. And what we learn in life, when we choose to trust the Lord, what we learn in life that is what the scripture already teaches, that what God allows in our life, he uses for good. What God allows in our life, he uses to bless us. Now, I've had the opportunity to see a lot of doctors over the last 10 years or so, and you know what? I've had the opportunity to share Christ with several of them. I've had the opportunity to talk to believers who were in the medical field, but one of them, he got stuck by me for 20 minutes one night. He had to sit and watch while my body responded to the big shot they gave me. And, and he had a whole bunch of questions. And he had questions from scripture. And, and we got to talk. And at the end of it, we spent about 30 minutes together. But he had to sit there for 20. At the end of it all, he said, listen, I'm really sorry for what happened to you. I'm sorry that you had to come here. But I'm praising God that you were here and could help me. And God used that time to disciple him. God allows difficulties in our lives to give us opportunities for two things. To grow and mature in our relationship and our likeness to Jesus Christ and to minister to other people. And so when we say, God, don't give me that, well, God's saying, I'm using it for good. Do you really want me to take it away? We don't. Now, in 606 B.C., oh, by the way, we have limited lifespans and limited perspectives, right? You can't even see what's behind you. No. Um, you can't see what's behind you. But God can. God has unlimited perspective and unlimited understanding. So in 606 BC, there was a noble prince in the southern kingdom of Judah who was raised to love and follow God. 
It's all right. Hunter and I haven't talked this through. That slide <laughs> should come up in a little bit. You can just leave it there now. We're in 606, not 605, but that's okay. Uh, this, this noble man was smart and he was handsome. The Bible tells us so. His life was rich and rewarding, and he had a desire to serve God and to help the people of Judah to follow God and thrive. He was probably even Prince Charming. The next year, in 605 BC, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, attacked the southern kingdom of Judah, and he carried away many of the vessels from Solomon's temple and also many of the princes, including this young noble prince named Daniel. If you take your Bible and turn to Daniel 1, we'll be there in a little while. Daniel and his three closest friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Nebuchadnezzar came back in 598 BC and 597 BC and overlapped the change of the year. And he took most of the remaining leaders and all of the national treasures. And he also at that time carried away a young prophet you might know by the name of Ezekiel. Hopefully you don't know him personally, but you've read about him, right? <laughs> uh, a final deportation took place in 586 BC when Zedekiah then rebelled against Babylon and Nebuchadnezzar came in and he tore down the walls of Jerusalem and he destroyed the temple, breaking down the city walls. Daniel's life's dreams were shattered. Daniel was carried away to live 80 years in a foreign land. He would never see his beloved land of Judah again. How would you respond to that? Once in Babylon, the king, Nebuchadnezzar, did everything in his power to indoctrinate the princes, to change their belief system, to change the structure of who they worship, and to worship the false gods of the Babylonians and the Chaldeans. In Jewish culture in that day, it was very important, very important for a man to be married and to have sons. In their culture, they devalued daughters. How many of you had only daughters? Okay. Uh, how many of you have a mix of daughters and sons? How many of you think your sons are better than your daughters? Okay. <laughs> One brave man raised his hand. Uh, listen, in their culture, it was very important. Now, in our culture, my daughter can own property. My daughters can do all kinds of things. But did you know that until the 1970s, a woman couldn't go in and open a bank account in her own name. There had to be a man to sign it for her. Now they can open a bank account in their own name, get loans in their own name, do business in their own name. Culture has finally caught up to scripture in this regard because the scripture always valued women. But in this culture, Men needed to be married and to have sons. That's what gave them the mantle of manhood. But Daniel never experienced either of those things. And yet he was a man of God. His life had not prepared him for the experience that he would endure being hauled away. But his faith in God guided him just the same. Now we're doing a series on loving God. And two weeks, well three weeks ago, we looked at uh, a date or at, at loving God, and we looked at a couple of things. Today, 
two weeks ago that it was David, and now today we're looking at Daniel. Daniel, a man wholly committed to God. A man who had a commitment in his heart for the Lord. And this is part three. We've taken four weeks because last week I wasn't able to be here. Evangelist Pete Rice spoke and he gave encouragement on knowing that you're saved. To know that you're a child of God. And You know, Peter writes about it. Peter said, if you're not maturing in your faith, you can sometimes forget you've been purged of your old sins. So the best way to know you're a child of God is to grow in your relationship with him. Uh, the theme verse for this month is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's the first commandment. So three weeks ago, we were talking about demonstrating our love for God, and we looked at two things. Do you remember what those two things were? They both began with the letter P. Sorry, I heard something. Okay. No. The first was pursuing. Pursuing God. Pursuing him in a relationship. Uh, like this guy on this hill. He's going up. I'm hiking along. Pursuing God. The second was pleasing him. Pleasing him. And then we also talked about prayer. That was two weeks ago with David was a man of prayer. David was praying to God. David was reaching out to the Lord God. And Daniel also is a man of prayer. When David repented, he repented with his whole heart. And he was trusting, worshiping, and praying. So today we're looking at Daniel, who was known for his devotion to God. Daniel was a man wholly committed to God. But before we go on and read in Daniel and talk about Daniel, just, just take a moment, ask yourself how you're doing on what we previously discussed. Are you pursuing God daily? What part of your daily life, what part of your morning orientation of your day is dedicated to God? Some of you kids read your Bible every time your parents say you have to. Do you do it on your own? Do you seek God on your own? Is there a desire to follow Him? Are you seeking to please Him? Based on what you know of Scripture, nothing else, just what you already know of Scripture, based on that as an objective standard of what you know God's Word says, would God look at your life and be pleased? Would He give you a thumbs up, thumbs down, two thumbs up? How, would God be pleased with what he sees in your life? Would you get a five-star rating from God? Or a one? Or something in between? Are you praying with your whole heart and soul? I know sometimes we pray, it's not quite as, we're not quite as invested in the prayer. Like sometimes you pray before you eat because you pray before you eat. You're not necessarily thinking, thank you, God, that I have food. We should be thinking that, but we're not always thinking that. God provides in our life. And so, but in, are there times in your days that you're earnestly praying, seeking God? They did a study of a 
We are a non-denominational church. By non-denomination, we're not part of a specific denomination. We're Baptists, but we're not part of a denominational Baptist church. We're what's called an independent Baptist church. It means this church is self-governing. That's why next week when we have the members meet for the annual meeting, the members are going to decide some things. They're going to talk about uh, they're going to elect some people to serve as deacon and trustee. They're going to uh, make some decisions that we're going to consider some mission works to support. And so the church is going to do that because we're independent. We make those decisions for our church. Every missionary that you see on the board back there that we support, every single one our church has prayed about, considered, and voted on, and approved. The members of the church have done that. So uh, we're not part of a denominational association of churches. We are consistent with Baptist teaching throughout history and consistent with Baptist doctrine today. But our church is its own entity. And I think that's the biblical pattern. When we look in the scripture, uh, there's a specific pattern of churches being accountable directly to Jesus Christ. You read Revelation 2 and 3. Jesus wrote letters to seven different churches, and in every one of them, he said, you answer to me. He didn't say you answer to a denominational board. He said, you answer directly to me. And so that's what our church tries to do. Now, when we're looking at Daniel, a man committed to God, I, I need to give you a disclaimer here, okay? Whether God's pleased with you or not, that's an evaluation you and God need to deal with. But, but let's think about Daniel for just a moment, okay? Every time Daniel's mentioned in the scripture, he's doing the right thing every single time. Now, do you find that kind of intimidating? Do you look at Daniel and think, yeah, how can he do that? I can't do that. I was talking with Kathy yesterday about a struggle that I have, and I thought, you know, how Daniel wouldn't have had a problem with that. Daniel would have nailed that. He would have no problem. But you see, this is the highlight reel of Daniel's life. There's a verse in Scripture, Romans 3.23, and it says something about how many people have sinned. What's the word the Scripture uses? All. All have sinned. So you could turn to your neighbor and tell them, look, I don't know what it was, but I know you've sinned. <laughs> you can do that. Because all have sinned. So did Daniel sin? Yes. Is it recorded in scripture? No, it's not. So no one's perfect. And so we fully expect Daniel had some difficult days. In fact, it's quite possible while he was being marched a thousand miles from uh, Judea to Babylon, that in that 900 to 1,000 mile march as he was going, it's possible Daniel might have grumbled and fussed and complained, but he grew beyond it. So the, the real thing that we want to see in Daniel is that uh, Daniel had an overall pattern of his life of living as a man of faith. That was the overall pattern of his life. So What's the overall pattern of your life? If we had an x-ray machine here and we could hook it up and it could show us what your soul looks like, would there be a pattern of commitment to God 
in your heart, in your life? Well, there should be. Some days we do well, some days not so well, but the pattern should be people who are committed to God. And so as we look at Daniel, we're going to read scripture, we're going to think about what he did, but remember, we're not here to just talk about Daniel. We're here to correct our lives to scripture, to let God's word be the standard that we follow. And so we're going to ask ourselves, okay, Daniel did that, how am I doing there? Now, I'm not going to stop every time, every point, and ask, how are you doing? But you need to do that, okay? Heavenly Father, as we open your word, as we look and read and listen, Pray that we would hear not only when your scripture speaks to us, but also when your spirit speaks to us. May we with our whole heart agree. May we follow you. I pray that today, if there's a believer here who's struggling in an area of sin, I pray they would repent today. I pray if there's somebody out watching online right now and they're struggling, I pray that you would encourage them. I pray that we would correct our lives to you, that we would follow your word and follow your way. And we thank you for Daniel. We thank you for the good example that he set. We thank you that we can make similar choices in our lives to be a good example to others. In Jesus' name, amen. And maybe you're here this morning and you've never trusted Jesus Christ as Savior. That's the most important thing you can ever do in your entire life. Someday, that will be the only thing that's important. When you stand before God, you want to have trusted Jesus Christ here and now. Because otherwise, you end up in hell and the lake of fire. So we're going to look in Daniel chapter 1. And every now and then I pause to catch my breath. Don't panic, okay? If I pause to catch my breath and it doesn't catch, then you can panic. <laughs> Daniel chapter 1. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. Besieged is such a good word, isn't it? And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the articles of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God, and he brought the articles into the treasure house of his God. Did you catch the beginning of verse 2? Who caused the victory? The Lord God did. Exactly as he told Habakkuk he was going to do. He said, I'm sending the Babylonians and they're going to judge Judah. And Habakkuk said, Lord, they're worse than we are. Eventually, Habakkuk got on board and praised God and chose to trust God. But God did exactly what God said he would do. And he gave them. God rules over all the conditions of life on earth. God rules over all the conditions of life on earth. God rules over your hairline, or lack of it. God rules over your height. God rules over your heart. God rules over your health. God rules over your business. God rules over your family. God rules over every facet of life on earth. 
No, God had a purpose. He was bringing Judah to a place of repentance. But God made the decision. Not Nebuchadnezzar, not the king of Judah, God. We have to allow God to be God. You see, what happens is that we have this hallmark version of God. That God is like this sweet and sappy grandpa who wants his grandkids to enjoy everything and spoils them rotten. Not your grandpa. <laughs> but but then we have this weird image of God. And we need to love the real God. The real God. God does not exist to make your life more comfortable. God did not make Daniel's life more comfortable. But God did bless and use Daniel in spite of the circumstances God allowed. So God is sovereign. He rules and he makes the rules. And God will intentionally let you and I go through tragedy and heartache so that we can grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, just like Peter said in 2 Peter. When God will build up spiritual muscle in your life as you go through these difficulties, and you will grow more mature. Verse 3, Then the king instructed Ashpenaz, master of his eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles, young men in whom there was no blemish. So these are good-looking young men. No blemishes, no physical feature blemish. The Bible does not say it's better to be beautiful. In this particular case, physical beauty is a requirement. But God looks at the heart of people more than the outside of people. There's a lot of beautiful people in our culture who are corrupt on the inside. And God sees that. In the middle of verse 4, good had to be gifted in all things you have to do. It, let's say your dream is to work in the White House, somebody other than me yeah. to get there, you know? So uh, they had, but he wanted these guys, and then, then they, they were able to learn the language and literature of the Chaldeans. So Daniel was selected here, as were Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, because of two things. They were good looking and they had good brains. They used their brain. They were quick learners. They could, accomplish, they could assimilate stuff. I, I do not have the capacity to learn a foreign language. I've struggled and I've tried and I, I just don't. Some people just pick it up, nothing fly. Uh, Daniel was one of these people who could just pick it up. He could learn, he could assimilate, he could do. Now, in verse 5, the king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies and of the wine which he drank, three years of training for them, so that at the end of that time they may serve before the king. So for three years, they're going to feed them really well, they're going to train them, they're going to do this, and then they're going to stand before the king. This is like a master's degree in Chaldean literature that they're going to go through. In verse 6, now among those of the sons of Judah, now among, so there were more, 
but four of them stood out. Four of them were mentioned in Scripture. The other guys kind of went by the wayside. They most likely compromised and didn't stand for God. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Now, they changed their names to Belshazzar, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Uh, verse 8. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. All right, so we've looked at, at uh, pursuing and pleasing and praying. Well, now we're going to think about purposing. Daniel purposed in his heart. He made a commitment on the inside, a personal commitment, a resolution, not a New Year's resolution because 94% of those fail or 93%, but, but a commitment, a resolve to do something. I'm going to do this, or in this particular case, I'm not going to do this. Now, is it wrong to eat meat? No. Uh, it might be for you. Uh, for some people, it's wrong to eat red meat because they have heart issues. They need to stay away from that. Uh, some people feel like they should be a vegetarian. And, and if you want to be a vegetarian, that's great. You shouldn't impose it on other people. Um, I, I have a niece who's a vegetarian. And I told her, I'm a vegetarian too. She said, really? I said, yeah, I just like my vegetables processed. Through the pig, through the cow, through the chicken. <laughs> she didn't think it was quite as funny as I did. But, but you know, she has no problem with me eating meat. As long as I don't force it on her. I have no problem with her not eating meat. As long as she doesn't focus, force it on me. But, but Daniel purpose. Why? Because in that culture, in that day, what Nebuchadnezzar was doing, they were taking the meat and they were offering it to idols. And they would pray and dedicate it to the idol and then they would give it to these guys to eat. And Daniel said, I don't want that stuff because I want God to get the glory, not the idol of Nebuchadnezzar. And so they, they said, put us to the test. After 10 days, and after 10 days, Daniel and his guys, they looked good even though they were eating vegetable pulse, just kind of mushy vegetables. I, I like crunchy vegetables. They were eating mushy stuff, and that's all they ate. And yet they looked better than the guys who were eating the best of the meat. And then after three years, Daniel and his friends were 10 times smarter than all the other guys doesn't mean you'll be smarter if you're a vegetarian. What it means is you'll be smarter if you follow God's plan for your life. Daniel wanted to make sure that God got the glory and not the king's people. Now, Daniel was separated from his family, from his home, from his neighborhood, from his hometown, from his nation, from his synagogue, from the temple from his culture, he was totally removed from anything resembling a comfort zone. He was carted off and carried off and probably made into a eunuch based on what the scripture reveals here. And Daniel had given up everything. And yet he said, I choose 
to trust God. I don't care how difficult it is, I want to purpose and do the right thing. Now the story is told of David Livingstone, a missionary in Central Africa, that <coughs> I have not been contagious for several days. We waited until after that before we went anywhere. David Livingstone was a missionary in Central Africa and the, Africa, and the British Missionary Society contacted him and said, uh, Mr. Livingstone, we have some young men who want to come and serve with you. Let us know once a road's put through so they can get in there to serve you. And according to history, David Livingstone sent back, if they need a road, they're of no use to me here. See, if you think things have to be easy in order to serve God, you're never going to serve God. God doesn't call you to say, hey, come on, let's have an easy life. Let's have fun together, fellowship, we'll hold hands, we'll sing kumbaya. No, actually, God calls you to do the hard thing, the difficult thing, the challenging thing. Uh, and Daniel was up to the task because he purposed in his heart, I'm going to do what God wants. I'm going to live for God, not for the world. Now, the end of the story, we know the end of the story. Man, great things happened in Daniel's life. God used him greatly, but it started with a personal commitment in his heart and in his life. He trusted God and he followed God's ways. Now, we're not going to read all of chapter 1 or all of chapter 2, but I want you to jump into chapter 2. I want you to see something here. And you'll like this picture. Daniel was pointing people to God. So, <laughs> pointing people to God. Now, Daniel has an opportunity here to make Daniel look really good. I've told you years ago, I was watching this guy on TV, an evangelist supposedly, and he's talking about how God is using him and God is blessing him and you need to give your money to him because he's doing God's great work. And let me tell you something. Anytime a human being tries to receive the glory for the work that God is doing, they're not following God. You see, that's exactly what Satan did in Isaiah 14. He wanted to be lifted up. He wanted the glory for what God was doing. And so, if God uses you to bless other people, don't pat yourself on the back and say, oh, these people were so blessed that I am here because I am God's person. Now, Daniel deflected the glory to God. I want you to see the humbleness of this heart. He was an awesome guy, right? He was really handsome. He was really intelligent. He was brilliant by the standards of their day. He was the best of the best, 10 times better than the other guys who were better than the average guys. But Daniel didn't get proud of what God allowed in his life. He just used it for God's glory. So we're going to look at two short passages in chapter 2, beginning in verse 14. Now, the king has had a dream, and he's decided the, the wise men can't tell him what the dream means, so he's going to kill them all. Nebuchadnezzar had some anger management issues. 
And now Daniel steps up and says, wait a minute, let's, let's figure this out. So in verse 14, with counsel and wisdom, Daniel answered Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. And he answered and said to Arioch, the king's captain, why is the decree from the king so urgent? Then Arioch made the decision known to Daniel. So Daniel went in and asked the king to give him time. Now, sometimes it takes a while to find the answer. Don't give up. Keep pursuing the answer. Daniel said, give me some time. Then Daniel went to his house and made the decision known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, that they might seek mercies from the God of heaven concerning this secret, so Daniel and his companions might not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then the secret was revealed to Daniel in a night vision, so Daniel blessed the God of heaven. All right, now, stop for just a minute and think about where Daniel is. Daniel's in a foreign land with a foreign king, and Daniel has a chance to be the man. Daniel can go before the king and say, I have the answer, because God has illumined me, and you, king, need to listen to my wisdom. But Daniel does the exact opposite of that. I want you to jump down to verse number 26. Verse 26, the king answered and said to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, that Daniel means Danny L, a servant of God, L, uh, God, and, and then they change it to, to Belshazzar to worship a false god, a pagan god. Um, they, they didn't just try and change the way they thought. They even changed the way they talked to them so that they would think differently. But he says in verse 26, are you able to make known to me the dream which I have seen and the interpretation? And Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said, the secret which the king has demanded, the wise men astrologers and magicians and soothsayers cannot declare to the king. All right, stop just a moment. You're Nebuchadnezzar. Hey, are you going to reveal it to me? And Daniel says, the wise men can't reveal it to you. For just a split second there, Nebuchadnezzar's thinking, call the guards, put them to death. But then Daniel reveals the big secret. But there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets. And he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. Jump down to verse 30. But as for me, this secret has not been revealed to me because I have more wisdom than anyone living. But for our sakes who make known the interpretation to the king, that you may know the thoughts of your heart. Daniel was pointing Nebuchadnezzar to God instead of saying, oh, Nebuchadnezzar, you really need to listen to me because I am God's spokesperson. I know some pastors who really get kind of hyped up on being God's anointed. Yes, God anointed me to this ministry and brought me here, and God and the people of this church uh, made me the pastor of this church. I understand that. But it's all about him. All of us equally submit to the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of his church. We follow his rules. And so Daniel did 
I am not going to take the glory. I'm going to point people to the one, the one who deserves the glory, the Lord God of heaven and earth, the one we all answer to, the one we all submit to. He didn't say, I want people to follow me. It's like Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. He didn't say, just follow me. And Daniel was pointing people to the Lord God. He didn't understand the name Jesus Christ. That was revealed later in scripture, but he understood the need to follow and submit to God. Daniel was constantly pointing people to God. Even later in Daniel chapter five, there's the handwriting on the wall and, and they say, oh, Daniel has a spirit in him. The spirit of the gods is in Daniel. And they call Daniel. And Daniel doesn't rebuke the king in his own name. He rebukes the king in the name of the Lord God. Because that king did not submit to God, did not follow God. So Daniel was pointing people to God, whether they were submitting to it or not. He pointed people to God. Now it's interesting in Daniel chapter 5, Belshazzar is the the role of king at that time. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar has passed away. His son is ruling as king, but apparently his son was out of town at the moment, and Belshazzar was then second in control of the kingdom, and he was ruling that night because he said he would make Daniel third leader in the kingdom because he couldn't make Daniel equal to himself or, or equal to his father. Uh, but, but Daniel was still pointing people to God. Now, when I read through the book of Daniel, I find that Nebuchadnezzar yielded. Nebuchadnezzar, I think I'll see Nebuchadnezzar in heaven. I'm sure I won't see Belshazzar. Belshazzar rejected it. And that very night, he died. And suddenly, he believed Daniel. If you don't trust Christ in this life, you will suddenly believe in Jesus Christ when it's too late. But Daniel pointed people. He, he shared the truth, not just the fun stuff, not just Jesus loves you. That's important. But he also pointed the stuff that God has called a day of judgment and the day of his wrath will be poured out on those who reject Jesus Christ. So Daniel was pointing people to God. Turn to Daniel chapter 6, please. Now in Daniel chapter 6, um, there's a plot against Daniel. The other leaders don't like Daniel. Daniel has a favored status with the king. Now, listen, you don't, in our culture, it's really hard to understand how this works. Um, I can't think of a specific illustration to make it easier to understand. But what happened in Babylon when Belshazzar died in chapter 5, Daniel was made the third ruler in the kingdom. Now normally when a new conquering king comes in, he kills off the rulers that were there before him so they can't stir up an insurrection. But instead of killing off Daniel, he keeps Daniel, and he keeps Daniel as an advisor. For Daniel to become a key advisor to the next king is way bigger than 
If there was a person who was the closest advisor to President Obama, and then the closest advisor to President Trump, and now the closest advisor to President Biden. You say, that can't happen. Well, it did in that culture in that day, because God blessed Daniel. So Daniel's there, and the king's relying on Daniel, and the guys are kind of jealous of Daniel, and they're trying to stir things up. And so they decided they were going to watch Daniel's life, and they were going to look for something against him. What if the enemies of God tried to watch your life and find out something about you? Could they do it? Well, they couldn't with Daniel. They couldn't find anything. And so they said, you know what? The only thing that's going to work is if we find an accusation against him in relation to his God. So if we make it illegal to worship his God, then we may get him. And so they talked Darius, Darius into, um, <laughs> Darius was not the brightest guy, apparently. He didn't see the, the scam coming, and he liked the idea of everybody only appealing to him, and it, it made him happy. And, and then afterward, he thought, oh no, what have I done? Because Daniel refused to abide by that law. Now, uh, Daniel was persevering, persevering. Daniel knows it's against the law to pray to God. Okay. Chapter 6, jump down in verse 10. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home and in his upper room with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as was his custom since early days. Now notice Daniel's not in your face. Dan, oh yeah, you think you can make that law? I'm going to pray to God anyway. Daniel's not doing that. Daniel's doing what was the habit and practice of his life. Now, if that was you, if that was me, we might have prayed to God with the curtains closed so they wouldn't know what was going on. But Daniel said, I'm going to do exactly what I've been doing. At this stage in his life, Daniel's been doing this in Babylon for about 80 years. And Daniel said, I'm not going to change just because the laws of our culture have changed. You and I need to be that way. I'm not going to change just because the laws of my culture have changed. I'm going to follow God the way I've been following God for all these years. He was persevering. And so Daniel went and he prayed. Now we know the end of the story, right? The guys found him and they ratted him out to the king and the king tried to find a loophole, but you couldn't have a loophole in their laws. And so the king had to put Daniel into the den with the lions and the lions were really hungry. They kept them that way so that when the people went in, that's when the lions got fed. And the angel of the Lord shut the mouth of the lions. Now, I don't know what went on in the lions' den. Did the lions come up and bump Daniel with their head because they couldn't open their mouth? Were the lions sitting there going, because they couldn't get their mouth open to take a bite of him? But this I do know. 
in the morning when the king came and he cried out, Daniel, has your God been able to deliver you? And Daniel said, piece of cake, dude. Something like that. And, and Daniel said, I'm fine. There's no problem. And, and they brought Daniel out. And then the king did something that we don't necessarily agree with. The king took all the people and all the families of those who had attacked Daniel and threw them into the lions. And the scripture says the lions were so hungry and probably so frustrated for not being able to open their mouth the whole time Daniel was in there, the lions attacked those people and broke their bones before they even hit the ground. Daniel persevered. He went through king after king, total regime change from one nation to another nation, and Daniel was still there, still honoring God, still doing the hard work, still pushing to do the right thing. And then the last thing is found down in verse number 28, Daniel chapter 6, and verse 28. So this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. He was prospering. Now, let me be clear. Prospering always comes last. If you're pursuing him and trying to please him and you're praying to him and then you're purposing and making commitments and you're pointing people to him and you're persevering, Prospering always comes last. Sometimes not in this life. Think John the Baptist, right? He didn't prosper in this life. But prospering comes to those who commit to follow the Lord. You might not get a reward on earth for it, but you will get a reward in heaven for it. In fact, the rewards in heaven are going to be so specific that God said, if you even give a cup of cold water in my name, you'll be rewarded for it. You will get specific rewards for specific behaviors when you stand before God. Prospering comes last. Daniel was a man wholly committed to God. Was he perfect? Not a chance. He was human. Was the pattern of his life following God? Absolutely. So, how would your friends describe you? Would they say you're a person committed to following God? Even more importantly than how your friends would have, how would God describe you? God called Abraham his friend. God called David a man after his own heart. How would God describe you? Heavenly Father, I pray that we would trust you and follow you. Thank you for your amazing love and grace. Thank you that you were willing to forgive Daniel's sins, just like you forgive our sins through the blood of Jesus Christ. Thank you that you call us to be better, a better version of ourselves as we trust and follow you. 
Pray that you would be honored and glorified by the decisions that we make and the pattern of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. In just a moment, we're going to sing a song. And if you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, well, what you should do is, is trust Him. Admit your sin, all of sin, to come short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. You need to trust and receive Christ. And, and you can do that today. If you're a believer and you've allowed some stuff in your life that you're certain, based on your knowledge of Scripture, that God wouldn't want that in your life, then let's make a commitment to get it out of our lives. You can do that right now. The thing that we don't want to do is say, oh, that was a nice little story about Daniel. I like that. Let's go be Okay? Let's make a commitment to follow the pattern that Daniel followed. Because it's the right pattern as we follow God. Thank you for listening to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. If you'd like to know more about Victory, please visit our website at victoryarizona.org. You can also connect with us on our Facebook page or by emailing victory at victoryarizona.org. We'd love to help you accept and follow Jesus Christ.